He told me to go and buy a granny pad, quote unquote, so that I could keep pushing myself during exercise. I nearly stood up and slapped him, but I had a little smile on my face and I just thought to myself, you need to know about this because you're losing four clients right now because you do not know and understand what to do for core and pelvic floor. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode, physiotherapist and women's health specialist Merrin Martin talks understanding how the pelvic floor works with the core, nuts to guts, and the polite way to wee when the queen is in the next cubicle with Network's Rachel Livingston. Welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Today I am talking with Merrin Martin, owner of Active Anatomy Physiotherapy and Health Professional Education. Welcome, Merrin. Thank you. Today we're going to be talking about training and the core and pelvic floor. So I believe Merrin has some interesting information for us. Thank you, Rachel. Well, hi, everybody. Today we're going to have a look at and chat about the core and the relationship the pelvic floor has on the core unit as a whole. There are lots of exercises out there in the fitness industry that incorporate the use of the core muscles. Some of the latest research and interesting courses that I've done as a physio have looked at the core and how to individually isolate each part of the core. So when I talk about each part of the core, we're talking about the different muscles that make up the core unit, which is your pelvic floor muscles being the bottom or the floor of the core. There is the transversus abdominis muscle, which acts as the the, the cylinder that surrounds the core muscles. There's multifidus, which is a, a part of the erector spinae muscle group. That is also the back part of the core. And then the lid for the core is your diaphragm muscle. So when you look at each of those individual components of the core, there's a lot of issues and problems that our clients have when they're trying to exercise. So for example, let's have a look at the top of the core muscles, which is your diaphragm. To be able to do an exercise correctly and be able to activate the whole core unit, all of those muscles together, it is essential to be able to breathe properly whilst you're exercising. If you hold on, grip your muscles, your tummy muscles too hard using your external obliques, you hold your breath and you're pushing in like a Valsalva type manoeuvre, the pressures that you increase in your core muscles are too much. You're unable to activate your diaphragm. This does not work. You know, there's a cascade of events that happen after the fact that you're not using your diaphragm properly, which is 
your transversus abdominis, which is also part of your core muscles, then does not fire up and, and work properly. You rely more on the outer muscles like your obliques. Your multifidus may or may not be working at the same time. And the pressure will push down on your pelvic floor muscles and weaken the pelvic floor muscles. So any exercise that you're doing in the gym where you require your clients to be able to activate their core muscles, the first step that you need to remember is if you want good pelvic floor functioning and good core functioning is you must be able to do an exercise where the where your client can actually breathe. So that's step one to remember. Pelvic floor function requires you to be able to breathe. If you grip on and hold your breath for dear life, it's not going to work. So when you t- think about the pelvic floor and think about what is actually the responsibility of the core muscles. The responsibility of the core muscles, the whole unit, all of those four muscles I've just spoken about, is to provide the lumbar spine with what's known as intersegmental stability. So you're looking at being able to control the small movements in the facet joints of the lumbar spine to be able to create some sort of stability in the lumbar spine to reduce the risk of low back injuries, which is what we want to be able to do with our clients. We want our clients to be safe. And when they're doing their exercises, we do not want to increase risk of of lumbar spine pain or low back pain. So to be able to get that core functioning, we need the diaphragm working, but we also need to be able to lift and counteract the pressures of the intra-abdominal pressures that are created when lifting weights or doing high impact exercises by activating our pelvic floor muscles. Now, some of the research is saying that um, there's some fascial connections from the pelvic floor muscles going up and into transversus abdominis. And in our clinic, we have an ultrasound machine where we view people's core muscles activating in real time. So I can watch somebody's pelvic floor lifting up and then look and view at the relationship of what happens with transversus abdominis and the core muscles firing up under ultrasound. It's a bit of a cheat because it's like an x-ray vision. It's, it's, it's easy for me to have a look at, at the core function under ultrasound. It's very hard to be able to look at a client in the gym, on the gym floor and be able to pick whether or not they're activating their core. So we need to be able to teach pelvic floor exercises and be able to have an awareness of pelvic floor exercises to be able to teach them to your clients and be able to get them to switch on their pelvic floor before they even pick up the weight. It's all about the timing of getting it right prior to lifting up a heavy weight, prior to going for a run, prior to jumping, whatever the the exercise might be. So what you need to do is to have an understanding of a pelvic floor and how it works with the core. So firstly, If you're sitting there in the chair, they've worked out that if you sit down in a chair, you sit onto the edge of your chair and lean forward slightly. You have your feet on the ground. So you're in that nice upright posture. You're sitting on the edge of the chair like you're about to get up to do a sit to stand type of action. Now, this position is meant to be the best position to get your clients aware of how to activate their pelvic floor muscles. So in that um, seated position, You can get the person, your client, to be able to take a breath in. Now, as you take a breath in, remember diaphragm needs to be working to get that pelvic floor going, you may feel your pelvic floor dropping down a little. 
Now, this is because your diaphragm has to drop down into the abdominal cavity as you take a breath in. It increases the pressure in your abdominal cavity. It then puts that pressure down on your pelvic floor. So you need to be able to counteract that pressure of a breath in by activating and lifting up your pelvic floor muscles. Now, for those of you who are not aware of pelvic floor muscles, these are the muscles that are there responsible for bodily functions such as going to the toilet, passing urine, giving childbirth, lifting up testicles, being able to hold in wind and being able to defecate. So all the muscles that are located underneath the pelvis that attach on to the pubic symphysis at the front and come right under like a big sling and attach on to your coccyx at the back. The pelvic floor muscles are underneath the pelvis. They are not in your abdominal cavity or around the front of your abdominal wall. They're not in your back. They're underneath the pelvis. So when you're sitting on the edge of that chair, if you take a breath in, you may feel your pelvic floor drop down towards the chair. Use that as a bit of feedback. And then as you breathe out, what will happen is ideally things should lift up a little bit as the diaphragm lifts up a little bit to push the air out. So when you take a breath in, the pelvic floor will drop slightly. When you take a breath out, the pelvic floor should lift slightly. The amount of people where this is dysfunctional is quite phenomenal. People think they're lifting their pelvic floor up and in towards their body, lifting up and in towards their abdominal cavities. But in fact, what they're doing is pushing down and out. Now, if you push down and out, when you do that, if you, if, you, if you practice that and pushing down and out onto the pelvic floor, can you feel how all your oblique muscles activate and grip on and then your diaphragm can't work? You can't take a breath in when you're pushing down and out. And I just want you to get the feeling of being able to breathe and lift the pelvic floor up versus gripping on and pushing down and not being able to activate the pelvic floor as well. So when, just to a bit of a story of some of the clients that I see, I work next door to a Pilates studio and in that Pilates studio we get a lot of middle-aged women, families that come through in our area and these women have had two or three kids on average. They've had a lot of, you know, problems with pelvic floor, pregnancies, not being exercising, not being, not being as fit as they once were. They come in because they have a small amount of stress incontinence, which is made worse by Pilates or worse by exercising. Now, to me, that's actually a, a really sad thing to have to say because ideally, if you're exercising, you're going to the gym, you're getting fitter, you're getting stronger, by you know means you should actually be getting better in your core function. But that is not the case. What tends to happen is people get pushed too quickly with their exercises and they tend to they tend to be pushed a bit too harder to achieve their goals too quickly and they're not given the time to get the awareness and get the function of those pelvic floor muscles back before they go into a weights program, before they go into a running program or anything that requires impact. So I get people coming in doing Pilates. They're doing 50,000 sit-ups, crunches, reformer work, hands in straps, all sorts of exercises that involve curling, crunching, oblique exercises. 
yet they have no idea how to activate their pelvic floor muscles. And what that does is makes it pushes down pressure onto the pelvic floor. They get a little bit weaker in the pelvic floor and then they get disheartened about exercise and stop their exercise program. And to me, that is what we're all about. We have to keep people exercising. We have to keep people um, aware of their bodies to be able to keep them going. So we need to be able to pick the exercises for these people and we have to get that awareness to the to the clients about activating your pelvic floor as it is an essential part of core. It's an essential part of reducing risk of low back injuries in the future and keeping people exercising. So a little bit of a, a quick cap on the, the anatomy of pelvic floor. When you are teaching your clients about pelvic floor, there's a few key words that you can say. So for women, the best keywords that you can get for pelvic floor are thinking about activating the muscles in the front part of the pelvic floor. You have a front triangle, which is a muscle called pubococcygeus, and there's a back triangle called another thing. <laughs> I think it's called, I can't remember. Anyway, rectococcygeus or something with the rectum around the, around the, the back part. So you've got the front triangle, which which encompasses the urinary tract and also around the vagina, and then you have the one around the back part. Now, a lot of people will pull up to hold in wind, and that does not necessarily activate and help to facilitate the whole core unit moving together. If you encourage people to lift up, to try and stop away from flowing or try to slow down the flow of urine, that is the, the front part, that pubococcygeus muscle, which helps to lift up and helps to activate the transversus abdominis muscle at the same time. So if you're sitting on the edge of a chair still, have a think about lifting up to slow down the flow of urine. I had a wonderful person that used to talk to me about being able to, to activate the pelvic floor. And she said, you've got to pretend the queen is next to you in the toilet and you have to do the polite wee. So you don't want to push out the wee too much. You want to be able to relax and let your wee come out or control the flow of urine by doing the polite wee, thinking the queen's next to you. I thought that was classic, just a perfect way of describing how you should be able to control the pelvic floor from the front part around your urethra. You can do keywords like lifting up and into your body, anything where you, you encourage those muscles to come together and contract together and lift up into your body is a, is a good keyword to give to your client. So for example, if you're doing a, thinking about getting vagina activated and stronger, you can think about just pulling, lifting up and into your body, you can say, or some people say, you know, there's some weird stuff that gets putting out, put out there, but just slowing down flow of urine or thinking of lifting up like you're squeezing on a tampon, which is not my favorite one to say, but it gives that feeling of coming up and into your body and at the front part of the pelvic floor, as opposed to the back part of the pelvic floor. Now for the guys, the the way that you can describe the pelvic floor to the guys, because the guys are actually just as important as the girls, they lift a lot of heavy weights and put a lot of pressure on that pelvic floor. So what you need to do for the guys is to say to them, feel like you can say walking into cold water and you want to lift your testicles up out of the cold water, that one gets 
gets the idea across most of it. If you're in Australia, it's nuts to guts. Everybody loves nuts to guts. It's everyone's favourite keyword for the guys. But it's that feeling of pulling up and into your body again and at the front rather than holding wind at the back. That's the best one to do. So before you go to lift your heavy weights or before you're preparing to do a whole track of abdominal crunches and, and exercises, Think about lifting up through your vagina. Think about lifting nuts to guts or thinking about pulling up to stop that flow of urine or slow the flow of urine down. And just a gentle contraction doesn't need to be hugely overdone. Just a gentle contraction should encourage the whole core unit to be able to activate, which reduces risk of low back pain. One thing that we need to remember is if we've told our clients that they need to activate their pelvic floor and then we've got them doing some core exercises because we all know core exercises are fantastic for our for strengthening around the abdominals and helping with low back pain we've got to make sure that we progress the exercises in a safe way especially for people if they've mentioned they have a pelvic floor issue so some of the best exercises and some of the exercises to avoid with people who have mentioned that they may have a stress incontinence or, you know, problems with their pelvic floor in the past uh, are things like especially keeping your feet, just thinking about all the exercises you can do, keeping your both feet on the ground when you're performing any sort of exercise is a really pelvic floor safe position to get into. For example, I had one trainer that I had a client go to. She had a history of back pain. She had stress incontinence when she jumped or when she coughed or sneezed. So when there was an increase in intra-abdominal pressure, there would be a small leaking through her pelvic floor muscles. So I asked one of the trainers to be able to train her, her core muscles more because she really needed strength in her core. The very first exercise the trainer did was for the client to lie down on her back he would step next to her shoulders, she would hang on to his legs, she would lift up both legs up into the air and he would push the legs away and she would try and control that push away and coming back. Now to me, it couldn't be a more worse exercise, first of all for core, it doesn't do a thing for core because it's just hip flexor and low back and gripping on for dear life. The pelvic floor pressures would have been enormous and would have actually exacerbated the problem more than actually fixed the problem. You have to take it back. The things that she should have done instead of that whole double leg in the air, crunches, scissors, all those exercises are things with her feet planted on the ground. So why can't she do uh, sitting on a fitball, both feet on the ground, pulling up her pelvic floor muscles and doing some balancing, doing some alternate leg lifts maybe, doing some sit-to-stand, squeezing, activate her core, doing some squat progressions, activating her core, for example, doing any supine core exercises where you're lying down with both legs on the ground, doing a small head lift or doing an alternate leg lift, always keeping one foot down on the ground, making sure that the core muscles and pelvic floors muscles are activated. The, the double legs up in the air is a real no-no for people that have problems with their pelvic floor. The other exercises that are the worst for pelvic floor are repetitive impact. 
So I, I get a lot of young people that have come in who have had a history of running, netball, tennis, jumping around and and running around, and they they all have, a, you know, even below 30 years old can have stress incontinence as a result of doing a lot of stressful, intense exercises without the awareness of being able to activate their pelvic floor to counteract those pressures, which is a real sad thing because it's not just the people who've had babies and the old ladies and the old men, it's all the young people that are pushing those weights as well. They, they have a lot of pressures on their pelvic floor. So we need that awareness for everybody, for all, all our clients to be able to activate that pelvic floor and be able to protect our core muscles and our low back while we're training. Another great story that always comes to mind when talking about pelvic floor is after my, the birth of my second child, I went into a group PT session. There was a local group guy down the road and he was taking us through some exercises, which is great because we get out of the house, we get amongst our friends and we're getting our bodies back into gear again after having birth, giving birth. But we got there and the exercises that this guy chose for us, mind you, was a, a young guy, so that's, that's okay. I don't mind who, who it is. But we had four women who have just given birth doing a group exercise session, not one mention of pelvic floor, not one question about what exercises do you feel comfortable doing at the moment. All of us were breastfeeding. All of us had had, you know, normal vaginal delivery. So there was always a bit of trauma with our babies. We're only four months down the track of, of giving birth. So it was all, all fresh and new. And he chose skipping as one of his exercises. I guarantee you, none of us were skipping that day. <laughs> none of us without any sort of, you know, protection, we're going to do skipping that day. Burpees, number two, fantastic way to have some stress incontinence. Number three was running. Again, not going to happen. And then I think the last one was push-ups. And push-ups are fine for pelvic floor, but when you're breastfeeding a child eight to ten times a day, your shoulders are rounded, your head's forward, and you've got a sore back, why would you choose push-ups when you've got more roundness, chest work, shoulders, head forward position. So that was not comfortable for us as well. And he did a circuit of those four exercises. And I looked at him and I said, do you know that none of us are going to be able to do these exercises without wetting ourselves because our pelvic floor has not come back yet. We're still working on it and whatever. And he told me to go and buy a granny pad, quote unquote, so that I could keep pushing myself during exercise. I nearly stood up and slapped him, but I had a little smile on my face and I just thought to myself, you need to know about this because you're losing four clients right now because you do not know and understand what to do for core and pelvic floor and have a basic look at our postures of breastfeeding babies and be able to give us some exercises that can counteract that. If we had have done four-point kneeling core holds, that would have been fantastic. If we had have done rowing, cycling, walking, anything that doesn't have the impact, 
that would have been fantastic. We would have th thought about we were improving without hurting ourselves, without weakening our pelvic floor anymore. If we would have done anything to open up our chest, to strengthen our back muscles, to improve our breathing and make us feel more positive about our lives, it would have been a fantastic session. And that is a real shame because now there's four mums that don't feel like they can do exercises, that are going to go home and feel a bit sadder and that they don't want to return because they know they have to put granny pads in there to be able to do their exercises. So that's just a, a personal experience I had, which I don't want you, anyone listening out there to be, uh, never say granny pad, please, <laughs> never say that. And, and just have that awareness of lifting the pelvic floor, being able to get the core muscles activated at the same time as the pelvic floor. And if your clients can't breathe while they're doing their core work and they don't have that awareness of their pelvic floor, then don't add weight and don't add impact and speed until they've achieved that. Meryn, that's some fantastic information. As you mentioned there, it's the core and the pelvic floor is not just the domain of the physiotherapist. This is something that trainers really need to know about. It affects men and women, older and younger. Um, one of the main reasons that women give up training, especially after having babies, is because of the incontinence and trainers are unaware of this. So it is really important for trainers to understand about this issue. Do you have any final take-home hints for the trainer that they are, will Put into action? Only to watch your clients, make sure they're breathing and really have, I would have a handout, a little pelvic floor handout to make people aware of just how to activate it and how important it is for exercising for the rest of our lives. Great. Thank you, Meryn. This has been the Fitness Industry Podcast. For a huge range of online courses focusing on female fitness and well-being, including the Women's Health Specialisation course, fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, go to the network website and select the Courses tab. The Women's Health Specialisation includes comprehensive modules on pre- and postnatal, nutrition and pelvic floor health. And remember, network members get massive discounts of up to 40% off courses. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career.